This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Friday, September 14th. This is episode 219. I'm Dan Ellis, and there's no Ryan here. There's no. <laughs> God damn it. Ah, cut I you wasn't off. even going to say that this time, <laughs> but that's funny. No Ryan here. He's apparently attending a farewell dinner for a friend. He's got a missionary buddy. Oh, yes. That's what I heard. Oh, yeah. That's what it sounded like to me. I, I don't know what, what kind other of farewell, farewell would he attend. Yeah. Yeah. But he he is not with us this evening. Should be back next week. Well, we're also going to be changing our recording days again, so releases will change and all of that kind of stuff because of Ryan's Ryan's fun schedule rotating again. I think this one will carry us through the end of October or sometime into November. I can't remember. The next one, the next schedule. Yeah, will go to that long. Yeah, Yeah. okay, that sounds right. Uh, what have you been up to for the last week? Oh, just, uh, you know, same old stuff. Same old stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, oh yeah, I did put this together. (laughs) I was like, you told me you had something. I'm trying to set you up here, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Dan is the professional on the show. (laughs) I just, uh, you know, show up and forget that I bring shit. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So I was thinking, I mean. This is me in my own fantasy brain world, right? Not not a functional world with a, a bunch of different- fantasy brain world? My own one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Not one, not one where uh, opposing views exist and I could just say the things that I want that would uh, make sense. But anyway, this one was, <laughs> it just, it's called, usually called imagination, I think. Is that- Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. Uh, but- I just wanted to write this little thing. It's kind of a venti thing for uh, Trump voters. Um, and it is my opinion that if you voted for Trump and for the alt-right and the neo-Nazis and a whiter America and stronger borders and tough immigration policy uh, or any other euphemism for white supremacy, uh, then you've surrendered the right to enjoy a good Chinese restaurant. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chinese, so, Mexican. Yeah. Any any of the places that he would call a shithole country. Sure. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, so you don't get falafel, kosher, or pad thai. You can't have tacos, bratwurst, or cream of some young guy. So enjoy your redneck roadkill raccoon ratatouille recipe, if you can read it. <laughs> We've got sushi, hibachi, rangoons, ramen, pizza, and chop suey, but you can't eat it. You don't get quickie marts, hip-hop, or barbershops. But go ahead and keep your Walmart, your camo cargo shorts, and trashy flip-flops. <laughs> that Bible you've never read? It's from the Middle East. Christianity was started by a sneaky Jew, so you can't even pray for a feast. Enjoy your possum, cane rat, armadillo, Rocky Mountain oysters, and bullcock. Keep your catfish noodling, Ted Nugent, Toby Keith, and Kid Rock. But no algebra, no heliocentrism. Maybe Facebook, but no computers. No fine wines, cheeses, or beers, so keep eating at Hooters. (laughs) A vote for Trump also means that you're mentally unfit for owning guns. 
they predate predate America anyway, so the best you'll have is Dukes of Hazard reruns. Oh, and one more thing, Trump voters, and it's a real turnabout. Your ancestors are foreigners here, so get the fuck out. <laughs> nice. When you were talking about the when you mentioned the flip flops, I, I had an argument with a friend years and years and years ago, uh, who was pissed off at some it was it was a flag burning thing, and of course he was very conservative and was pissed off that somebody'd be disrespecting an American flag like that and burning it. Exercising their First Amendment rights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How dare they? How dare you exercise the freedoms that I fought to protect? <laughs> but he was going on and on about uh, so disrespectful and everything. Somebody else at the party was wearing flag flip flops. And I'm like, yep, dude, can't that you actually cannot do. You, you can't tell me that it's, that it's disrespectful to the flag to burn it. While somebody here at yep. this gathering is wearing flag fucking flip flops, yep, walking all over the flag yep. with every step they take, yeah, it's 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 amazing. That's that's hugely respectful. That's I'm exactly sure. the hypocrisy I've been talking about that yeah. prompted me to write that thing. Like, if you voted for that and you're doing that, then you can't sit down in an uh, and eat a burrito and enjoy it because fuck you, you've already said you want them out. The country would be better without them. So. You better not go into a restaurant that they brought with when they crossed the border and enjoy their food. You don't get to have it both ways. Yeah. Well, fucking Tucker Carlson got in a bunch of trouble recently for bitching about diversity. So did Dana Lush. I don't know if you saw her little thing about Thomas the Tank Engine and the KKK. (laughs) She is out of control. We'll probably talk about those later. But yeah, they they whine and bitch and complain that, oh, diversity is a good thing. Why how why is why is diversity good? What what good comes from diversity? Do you and Tucker Carlson made some fucking shitty comment about, you know, how, do you really get along better with people that you have nothing in common with or that you can't understand what they're saying or where they're from or the things that they've done and it's like, dude, you just don't fucking get it on no. a, such a fundamental basic level. Yeah, yeah. That diversity brings us a wealth of information we would not have had otherwise. And yeah. it's not just it's not just different lines of thought. It's it's like you said, it's different culture, it's different types of food, it's different modes of thinking, it's different right. experiences that people have had. Yeah, that one focuses on food, but yeah, I mean there's a whole there's a whole bunch of things. I mean, you know, maybe they brought flip-flops, so fuck that, but you know, <laughs> We still got orange chicken out of it, <laughs> which is way better Are you than what about Trump. Orange chicken, <laughs> <laughs> nice double entendre, French word. <laughs> but all that food I mentioned is is better than what we had in Britain before we came over here. Oh yeah, Brit- well, there's you know? some British food that is pretty good. My my ex mother in law made it made a mean bread pudding. Yeah, but. Is that better than flan or, you know, any of the, well, maybe it's better than flan, but. No, I'd rather have the flan. I, anyway, I, I mean, beans and toast is what I think of. Oh, yeah. You know, haggis was kind of around in the north, I guess, but I, I would just rather have diversity. Yes, absolutely. Well, she lived through the depression, so she would tell stories about having drippings on toast. <laughs> they just, all of this scrap bullshit, fatty nastiness they would use that basically as kind of butter um, yeah i guess it works but like like bacon grease kind of yeah thing. yeah yeah hmm. and it's that kind of that could work that it's that kind of diversity through adversity that leads us to other things that we would never have done or tried before right like haggis and drippings and <laughs> all that kind of shit like like who's the first person who thought 
you know what would what would probably re- be really good is if we took pig belly and then soaked it in brine for a while and then fried it. That should be really fucking delicious. Yeah. Right. And it's one of my favorite things. Right. Yeah. Or 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 the the Portuguese introducing uh, tempura to Japan and now the amazing sushi rolls that are with tempura shrimp and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. All food still, but uh yeah. I mean, why, we don't need the language. I just say number 5 and they know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it, that's that's really frustrating to me whenever I hear people complaining about diversity that they just they have no real frame of reference to even realize what the fuck they're talking about. They're yeah. basically looking at a group of people who look different than them and saying, well, why would I choose to associate with them? What yeah. do, what can we possibly have in common? They're dirty brown people. Right. Why would I, why would I want to associate with them? They or, have nothing hey, well, to teach me. They're savages. Let's be inclusive. They could, they could be dirty yellow people. Oh, true. True. <laughs> <laughs> now that, yeah, that does get really, really frustrating. Yeah. And then it's just more of the same old, same old lately. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, actually, uh, Rhett had a spina bifida appointment today to mm. check his bladder and bowels and stuff, which mm. usually are the things that innervate, innervate really late. Mm. So way down and, um, they usually lack control of those things, but everything's good so far. Nice. So I, I don't know what. I don't know what, I mean, it's good. They're all good surprises because he keeps passing all of these tests really well, but kind of just like waiting for that other shoe to drop, you know, like what, uh, what's going to show up if anything. And he's still, as far as you can tell, developing. Yeah. I mean, he's started, he's up on all fours now. He's got good straight back and head up and he props himself up. He still kind of does the backward scooting more than crawling forward, but Mm. he's starting to learn how to like, pull himself forward and get the stuff that he, you know, is after or whatever. I mean, it's all, all of his developments on, on track. So that's good. That is really good. So, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> some of my friends had a child with spina bifida when I was married to my first wife and he was a great kid. Do you, do you still have to watch out for like uh hydrocephaly? Yeah. yeah. Uh, hydrocephalus. Yeah. Hydrocephalus. Yep. Uh, they could get it until, you know, up until they're about three or three years old or so you can watch out for it. But I mean, the, the chances diminish as they get older and older, but still possible. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had, he had all kinds of problems there. And well, and my cousin has spina bifida and Hmm. she's, she's in a wheelchair and has hydrocephaly and has to, has a shunt that that drains fluid all the time. and. Every now and then that'll get clogged or there'll be some problem. Yep, she yep. gets an infection, is in the hospital for a long time. Yep. Scary shit to have to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what happens is that the base of the brain slides down into the spinal canal and blocks the passage of spinal fluid back and forth. And so that's why the the head gets so big because it swells up with all that. With all the excess Yeah. And fluid. that's the hydrocephalus is hydrocephalus is the, is the swelling of, of water, the fluid, the mm. brain fluid. And so that's why she has a shunt because they have to bypass that so that it can flow freely. And so when you, you know, when you try to do that, it's just, it's always going to be problems if you're fucking with stuff. I mean, Hmm. yeah, that sucks. Wow. And he's, he's like six months now. He's nine months. Nine months. Buddy. Time goes, time goes by, man. Really fucking fast, man. Yeah, Yeah. I know. He was born at the end of November. Holy cow. Wow. That, yeah, that's, that's just flown by, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because that one night we stayed here. I mean, I don't think there was snow out, but it was cold yeah. for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Anyway. Wowie, wow, wow. What about you, man? What have you been doing? Uh, fuck. Nothing really. The Well, just same old, same old. Super busy with work. Uh, we had Danica's birthday party. Danica, happy birthday. She turned 23. That's gone by pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. She's She's got her own place now. She and her boyfriend-ish person are broken up-ish, kind of. They, she, yeah, she moved out of the apartment that they were sharing together and now has her own apartment Uh and they still talk all the time and do things on occasion. I I don't, I don't know Hmm. what's going on. You know how people are like, you just, you you don't get the full story from especially your own kids. (laughs) Yeah. And break. Breaking up is a trick. I mean, it, it does it does kind of mess you up. Like you you sort of, especially when you're younger, you sort of know that this isn't working. But like, there's still a lot of feelings there, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's tough. There's well, always it, a lot of bouncing back, you know. Oh yeah, right one now, was her man. first live-in boyfriend, and they were they were fairly ser- fairly serious. They had promise rings. <laughs> well, they and were all very that serious. <laughs> That's crazy. So she she was pretty devastated initially. And she seems to be doing well, but yeah. We, so we had a birthday party for here for her here at the house, and had a bunch of relatives over. Her her one of her grandfathers was here. He used to live here and has recently moved to Michigan. Well, not real recently, but within the last year or so. Uh, his his wife Danica's grandmother is Tracy's ex's parents. Okay. Well, her, his mother and stepfather. So it's Danica's step grandfather. <laughs> right. You know, modern families and all. Um, so her Danica's grandmother had, uh, the same kind of brain cancer that John McCain had. And she passed away a few years ago or she died a few years ago. I, I, I'm trying to get away from flowery language when people die, like passed away. They've passed on that kind. No, they're, they're dead. Like we should, they're dead. We should. Make sure that that's the thing we say. No. Yeah. Treat them like they're fucking dead, goddammit. <laughs> they deserve that much. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Chris Butters died. I was so happy to hear that. I don't know who that is. He was a former Utah legislator who okay. was famously, rampantly, ragingly, flamingly anti-gay uh-huh. and was also very, very racist. Sure. The very first- uh the very first protest that I ever took my kids to was after he made a comment about a particular bill within the Utah legislature and referred to it as a very dark, ugly thing. It's a black baby. Mm. And so that that lit a fire under, under a bunch of people, and we all went to the state capitol and held a protest, and he retired, I think, the following year. Oh, but really? He, he's, he's got a long track record of being really, really anti-LGBT. How right. long ago was he in office? Uh, I want to say he retired five years ago. Maybe not quite that long. Man, I, it seems like I should definitely know his name. Yeah, but Chris Butters. Sounds kind of familiar, but I don't know anything about him. Just... You'd probably recognize his sour puss if I put it on the TV. <laughs> I don't really feel like seeing any sour pusses. <laughs> but but he died (laughs) stick a lemon in there and watch it pucker up (laughs) he died and so i i 
posted on Facebook, you know, good. He's fucking dead. He was always a piece of shit. And yep. if I find his grave, I'll dance a jig on it. Sure. Because he's a terrible person. And Gail Ruzica, of course, was singing his praises. You know who she is, I right? Don't, the, I don't know who that is She leads either. the Eagle Forum, the ultra-conservative right-wing. The Eagle Forum, of course. Quote-unquote think tank here in Utah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That are opposed to. Progress? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Opposed to progress, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's about it for me. We got a interesting and I'm sure fun conversation coming up with Thomas Westbrook from Holy Kool-Aid show. He started a fundraiser for the survivors, survivors network of those abused by priests mm-hmm. in light of all of the shenanigans that have come to light in Pennsylvania recently. And right. we've got a story that we'll be covering also here coming up about priestly abuse here in our own happy little Mormon state where we have a very, very tiny Catholic population compared to Mormons. And yeah, that shit still happens here. And it still happens. Yeah. It's no matter where they are. Yeah. Dozens of reported abuse cases within the Catholic church here in Utah where the Catholic presence is tiny. And we've also got a story about abuse within the LDS church because It doesn't just happen to Catholics. It happens to Mormons also. So we've got those stories and more ahead for you, dear listeners. Stay tuned. Hi, everybody. This is Mikey Weinstein. I'm the founder and president of the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. If you're going to be a serious grown-up person and appear to defend the Catholic Church in public in front of an educated and literate audience, you simply have to start by making a great number of heartfelt apologies and requests for contrition and forgiveness rejoining the godless revolution podcast now okay on the line we're joined by mr thomas westbrook of the holy kool-aid youtube channel how you doing man fantastic thank you guys so much for having me back on i figured i would have uh, burned my bridges after the last show you know just being a (laughs) goofy crazy nut you know <laughs> no my pleasure we're always happy to have you on whenever you need hey we well, like nuts <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure if that was innuendo or if that was uh, <laughs> a a reference to uh salty snacks but i'll take it either way yeah salty snacks those are good too salty snacks and or innuendo i mean it could go either way <laughs> <laughs> so beyond holy kool-aid you've got a couple other projects going on right what what else are you doing well so i i also have a podcast um called the here and how podcast with uh rationality rules and rachel oates that covers um well we we explore big ideas from a scientific reference point and kind of explore the potential for the, creating a brighter future by exploring the past and where we got or how we got here so um, that that's my that's my uh, main other thing. I mean, I've I've got a couple of other sites that I'm working on right now that could potentially blow up. But um, my biggest thing that I want to talk with you guys today is um, the Catholic Church's scandal in Pennsylvania, as well as uh, what we as um, atheists and skeptics and um, science lovers can do to to help out some of the survivors of abuse. Ooh, okay. Well, tell us more. I, and I want to say that just yesterday there was a breaking story here in Utah that the small population of Catholics here in Utah even 
uh, have a have a now released and and more information about sexual abuse within the small Catholic diocese here in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. I'm really not surprised by that because mm-hmm. everywhere that the Catholic hierarchy has been investigated, it's been discovered that there have been massive cover-ups, and it's not necessarily that. The rate of abuse is so much higher, but the fact that they try to avoid scandal and cover it up rather than, you know, turning over the criminals to the authorities is, I think, where most of the outrage stems from. Rightfully so. Yeah. So to, to, yeah, absolutely. to give you guys kind of a quick overview uh, for anyone who hasn't been paying attention to, to the news of what happened in Pennsylvania, there were over there, basically the, the grand jury of Pennsylvania released this scathing report. They investigated for over two years, um, millions of pages worth of documents, uh, largely including the Catholic Church's internal records. Um, they called them, you know, secret archives. That's what the the church itself referred to them as. And they found that mm. there were over one thousand vict or over one thousand cases of abuse that were documented at the hands of um, three hundred plus priests for over seventy years. And that repeatedly throughout the the church's documents, they um, referred to basically uh, avoiding scandal. They're like, do everything you can, whether it's, you know, talking to authorities, getting them to not press charges, talking to victims, paying them hush money, um, sometimes intimidating them. Uh, just cover this up, sweep it under the rug and bury it forever, or, or at least bury it until after the statute of limitations passes so that the Catholic Church can't be sued and so that um, these priests don't face justice. And they really treated it almost like a, a mafia would. Um, they had their, their own internal proceedings. And the, the gross thing is that oftentimes when these, these priests would get caught, you know, raping kids, then the, the response wasn't by, by the Catholic Church wasn't to defrock them or to, to remove their um, ecclesiastical status, you know, as priests. Um, instead, they uh, oftentimes would shuffle them around to new places where you know, nobody knew of their their criminal background. They didn't know that these were pedophiles. And, you know, they would move them sometimes to places like uh, South America, where it's largely Catholic. Most of the authorities, the police, the, you know, local government officials are Catholic. The church has a tremendous amount of power, a tremendous amount of sway and pressure. And people see it as, you know, oh, you can't question it because it's, it's the church. It's sacred. It's holy. It's the moral authority. A priest would never do that. And in some cases... Um, as I explored into this deeper, I found that, you know, some of these people, there was a, a priest named uh, Father Van Dahl who was moved to an orphanage in South America for 20 years in Brazil after he had had multiple accusations against him for um, molesting kids. So just the, yeah. the level of not just just complete neglect, but just the, the it, it's just disgusting how complicit the the hierarchy is because this stuff isn't you know a lot of people say oh it's just a one-off case it's just a few you know small little scenarios where you know this isn't happening at a systemic level it's not widespread and what we found is that that's not the case like in 2002 boston released or the the boston globe spotlight team really did a, a thorough investigation into the the local archdiocese in boston and they found that there were you know that there was a massive uh, scale and the cover-up went all the way to the Vatican, and that this was happening at the level not just of a, a couple of um, priests or bishops, but it went all the way up to, to cardinals. And we found since then, even to the Pope, in the 1960s, um, the Pope released a letter to every bishop in the world that um, told them, under pain of excommunication, when handling cases like this, not to go to the public authorities 
and not to disclose it. Um, in 2010, the Catholic Church, uh, when the Australia scandal was going on, they had records of over at least um, 4,000 pedophile priests that they refused to turn over to the public. And in Los Angeles, Cardinal Mahoney, a few years ago, was uh, in a pitched legal battle trying to um, fight to keep the Catholic Church's documents internal and secret. And when he finally lost the case, they wound up paying $550 million worth of um, reparations. But since the 1980s, the Catholic Church in the U.S. alone has paid uh, over $3.8 billion, either in legal fees or in reparations. Um, sometimes they'll, you know, they'll pay hush money to keep people silent. It's just that this this is systemic. Like it's not a one or two one-off cases. Like this has happened in Chile. It's happened in Australia. It's happened in Ireland, in Boston, Philadelphia, L.A., pretty much everywhere. The Philippines, everywhere that the church has been investigated, these type of scandals yeah. show up. Yeah, Salt Lake City now too. It's you're you're absolutely right. I mean, the Catholic Church at this point is basically a criminal organization. It's a criminal pedophile ring. It's the kind of things, you know, the kind of things that have been happening within the Catholic Church. I mentioned a, a couple episodes ago are basically the kinds of wild conspiracy theories that Alex Jones makes up about fucking Comet Pizzeria mm -hmm. is what is happening within the within the Catholic Church. And I, I wish that it, I really wish that it was a conspiracy theory. And uh, normally, like, in fact, it, you know, when I first heard this stuff, I was like, oh, come on, like, it's, it's just a stereotype or like, it's, it's, you know, I, I, was, I was skeptical. And then I started looking into like, who, who's coming forward? Like, it's, you know, you, you go to, to, to websites, there's a, an organization called the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests. And there's literally hundreds and, and sometimes thousands of, of cases of people telling their story and telling what happened to them and to get, naming the people. And it's the same priests again and again. They're, they're repeat offenders. And, you know, there's, there's a website called Bishop Accountability that has um, a list of different um, priests and bishops who have um, accusations of child abuse you know, online, you know, documented cases. And, and then you have organizations like the Pennsylvania grand jury. They're not going in. They're not, it's not this biased organization. It's not this atheist organization. It's, it's a government group that subpoenas the church's own documents and the own, the, their own records. And then they have um, victims accounts that are, um, you know, that are verifying their reports. This isn't a, a couple of atheist bloggers on Pathios that are writing about it. The, these stories are coming out and being revealed on like Fox News, which is a traditionally conservative platform. It's on, you know, CNN and CBS and ABC and MSNBC. It's it's all over the place. Al Jazeera, like you you name it. This this stuff is it's 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 everywhere. And I, I really wish I could say it, it was a conspiracy theory, but it, it mm -hmm. sadly we're well past the point of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like I said, it's the Catholic Church at this point is is a criminal organization setting up these these basically pedophile rings where instead of working to protect the victims of these priests, they work to protect the priests and the church itself from being from from being quote unquote maligned, I guess, by these people who have been victimized by priests and the church who then chose to cover it up, offer hush money you know, offer threats of intimidation, basically anything they can do to keep the church's name out of it and try to keep the church's name clean. But they're more concerned with that than they are with taking care of the survivors and victims of these, of the, of the priests. There was one case where a woman went to the Catholic higher ups to, you know, some of the bishops and stuff after she had been molested and raped by a priest. And the bishop basically told her to her face, like, you know, I don't want to hear about it. You go to church, you go to confession, and you pray for him. 
And then, and, and then she waited a little while, you know, and then a year or two later came back and to a different bishop and he said, don't say the name. I don't want to hear about it. And then when she finally had the courage to go to the authorities, because oftentimes in these cases, like you're told that, you know, it's, it's your words versus God's and no one's going to believe you or, you know, it's your fault. You made the, the priest sin and stumble. And, you know, so, so there, there's a tremendous amount of shame that they put on their victims to keep them silent. And when people finally have enough courage to, you know, to speak out and to, to go to the authorities and to try to seek justice and to get the healing that they deserve, oftentimes they're, you know, the, the, it's past the statute of limitations. And it's because it's been so many years that they can't get justice, even if they wanted to, even if there's like 50 people that come forward with accusations, if it's been, you know, past, you know, so many years, they can't get justice. And so these priests, oftentimes the church will, they'll sweep it under the rug until it's past the statute of limitations. And then there's, there's nothing that the, the survivors of abuse can do about it. And that's where I, I think organizations like SNAP are so important because they they show you that you're not alone and that it's not okay, that it's not your fault, you're not to blame here, and that you know you can speak up, you can seek legal action, you can get your voice heard, and you can have justice and healing. And so that's why, like in the last the last month, uh, you know, I make videos on Holy Kool Aid about scientific topics i debunk skept- or, uh, psychics and i go after all kinds of crazy woo and stuff like that that's my true love but i when i saw this this um report come out and i realized that um that a lot of catholics are still donating money to this organization they don't necessarily know how harmful it is then i i just i couldn't stay silent i i had to make you know, some videos on it. So the last three videos I've done, one is is on kind of the Catholic double standard, and I compare it to if this was happening at a Build-A-Bear, the organization would be bankrupt in a night. Like they, they would, every single person would be outside protesting. They would be, you know, rioting in the streets. They'd be burning them to the ground. But for some reason, there's this double standard when it's a religious organization and they look the other mm. way. And mm-hmm. You know, so I'm basically I'm trying to encourage people to one, stop tithing, stop donating to this organization that is it's not transparent at all. The Pope keeps coming forward. He came forward in 2002. He came forward in 2010. He came forward after Chile. He came forward after, you know, Ireland and Germany. And every single time, you know, there's apologies and it's, oh, no, like, this is so horrible. My thoughts and prayers are with you. And, you know, let's seek, you know, maybe the the Virgin Mary can help us out. It's like, dude, you are literally the Pope. You have 100 percent power over you're the head of this country because the vatican is its own country you're also the the head of the church you know you have a billion catholics that are looking up to you as the 100 percent you know authoritarian dictator with all of the power to to change this you can release all the documents you can defrock the the abusive priests you can turn them over to local authorities or you know have them arrested if they're in the vatican arrest them with your own you know uh your own country's resources you know lock them up have them seek justice you know yeah, he's he's he, the vicar of Christ. He's God's mouthpiece here on earth. Yeah, exactly. He has a hundred percent authority and power to um to to make this this better, to make it right. And instead, he's sitting on all of these records of abusive priests who are still out there, and that the church is is lobbying to keep the statute of limitations from being removed in Pennsylvania. They um lobbied to keep thirty names private that keep them out of the grand jury report so there's potentially 30 priests bishops even cardinals maybe who um whose names 
were in this report that got redacted because this massive powerful organization is is fighting to suppress it and they're not fighting to to help the victims they're not fighting to give them justice they're 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 fighting to cover it up and it's it's disgusting so as as long as this is going on and yet the pope is saying oh we're so sorry it's 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 a shallow apology and it's bullshit and yeah absolutely so as long as that's going on, if, if you're donating to the Catholic Church right now, you're complicit in that. I hate to say it, but like there are – you don't have to – like I'm not saying that every Catholic is – you know um, supports child rape, but like find an independent Catholic Church. Find a different denomination. Go somewhere else. You know, like stop giving to this organization until they – you know, if, if, if everyone stopped tithing to the Catholic Church – until they they changed their approach on this and started caring about the safety of children, then I think that they would change. You know, as their coffers start to dry up, that they would change their tune overnight. So, is there is there a plan to get this uh, information movement uh, energy into more conservative or um, religious? Uh, group, groups or circles, because I mean, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying and I, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. I think most of our audience is going to agree with that and they probably aren't Catholic. So I'm just, I'm, I, I'm just curious if there's a, anything we can do to help, or if there's a plan that you have to get this into circles that really are, uh, supporting the Catholic church or maybe are more, are more sympathetic to it. Yeah. How do we, how do we pop that bubble? Right. Well, obviously, our our networks don't overlap too much with um, a lot of the conservative circles, but mm-hmm. the the mainstream media does. <clears throat> and so, a, a lot of times, whenever you have scandals like this that occur, then they're featured all over the news, and everyone watches you know mainstream media news sources, whether you're you know atheist, Catholic, whatever, and usually their their go to um, source for for stuff like this you know if they're they're wanting to find survivors of abuse to interview there's an organization called the survivors network of those abused by priests or snap they've been around for decades it's a non-profit organization it's not um religiously affiliated but it's not an atheist organization either it's basically a resource for people to come together and share their stories and they have local chapters local groups where people can meet other survivors of abuse and realize that they're not alone and they also do press releases and they'll go to the media when stuff like this happens so when the pennsylvania um situation occurred then they were the go-to that the media goes to for for stories and for information from survivors now Right now, they're actually pushing for uh, a grand jury investigation in every state in the United States. So Pennsylvania revealed mm-hmm. the scale of it. Now uh, Missouri's looking into doing its own investigation. I think New York might be as well. But you can go to well, their and website. Even in, yeah, well, and even in Pennsylvania, that wasn't the entire state. That was, it was I think, six of the eight dioceses. Six, yeah, yeah. To give you an idea of of so, if there were a thousand. Um, victims of abuse in six dioceses. There are over 3,100 dioceses worldwide. So that gives you kind of an idea of the the numbers that we're looking at globally. Wow. But so right now, Snap is actually, they're putting together, they have on their their website um, an option to request a grand jury investigation in your state. So they have a letter drafted up that you, and they have links to to all the different, um, uh, to, to all the different attorney generals that you can reach out to. And if you want the, 
your attorney general to investigate the Catholic Church in your state. Uh, just go copy their template, click the link, and send it off to your attorney general. And what what we're hoping to see is um, that this type of investigation, this wide scale investigation that you know overturns all the rocks, gives them nowhere left to hide, will show um, people that this isn't just Pennsylvania, it's not just Boston, it's not just LA that this is systemic and that people will start to realize they'll realize that it's their state it's their church it's that that people who are still in office right now or not in office but in um in the clergy that who are hiding their abuse and sweeping it under the rug that that's exposed and that there's nowhere left for them to run and that way we keep them honest we keep it transparent um but it's it's really coming down to a point where we need you know these investigations to take place everywhere and as it as it happens, every state that it happens in, it gets massive media coverage. So if if you're able to go on Snap Site and, and submit that request to your attorney general, I think that that makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't. I, I get really frustrated. I don't understand why the Catholic Church would allow this to go on decade after decade after decade after decade. I mean, we have reports of these of these types of abuses going back to you know the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. You know, before oh, the the earliest case is I believe from like 190 AD. Yeah. So like they they've known that this stuff has been going on for pretty much ever. It's just really only in like this last century that we've had you know the the human rights revolutions that included the rights for children, and people started actually kind of caring. We have the internet, we have the mainstream media. People started to realize that this is all connected. That it's not just you know a couple bad apples. You know, and so because of it, because so much of even though it it is, you know, that the Pope is kind of at the top of the hierarchy, a lot of the local jurisdictions they're they're handled almost as like an independent um, governance. So a bishop is completely in charge of of his own diocese. He's not necessarily having to um, pass all of these cases up for for people to review, like it, you know, in. Um, there was a case where there was a guy in the Philippines who was actually put in charge of overseeing cases like this in the entire country of the Philippines. And, um, and he was with the Catholic Church. But he said, he's, he said that I think there were like 82 different jurisdictions. And he's like, I cannot possibly manage all of them. Like most of these cases are dealt with locally because otherwise I would completely drown. And so, you know, you start to realize that a lot of it is just people who are, you know, that maybe up until the last, decade or two, they've thought that it was just a few bad apples. They've thought that it was isolated cases and a few bad priests and they could just sweep it under the rug or just move them off somewhere else and let them be someone else's problem. And what what we're finding now is that because the Catholic Church has had to pay billions in reparations, that if all of this came to light, if they released all of the documents and showed the scale of the cover-up, suddenly everyone and you know is, is able to sue them, then they would be bankrupt in a fortnight. And so they're they're hiding a lot of these cases until the the statute of limitations is reached. But the the fact that they're not being more transparent moving forward, the fact that they're not really adopting a zero tolerance policy, is I think it's it yeah well it's really discouraging to say the well, least. Well, and what I find particularly frustrating is that they have they have within their power to not just transfer these priests to a different parish, right? They could get them out of the church. They could say, "No, you're no longer welcome here. You've been abusing children. You can't be a priest here." And instead, they just transfer them somewhere else, and then don't warn the parishioners where they've transferred this uh, this priest 
to about any of the allegations of abuse against him. And so they've basically just thrown this priest into a brand new pool of victims or a brand new pool of people that they can victimize without any warning or regard for the circumstances or the or the the quality of life and care for the for the potential victims where they've transferred this guy, nor do they care for the victims of of the priest from where he has been transferred from jesus i sound like an idiot right now <laughs> i'm stumbling over my own words but it just i'm i'm so enraged and and pissed off by this because they've had centuries in order to fix this and they don't fucking care they don't care about the children who who are being victimized by this all they care about is the church and mm-hmm. even then it seems really really fucking stupid that they would just transfer a priest somewhere instead of drumming them out of the church i mean if you drum them out of the church as long as there's no light that shine on that's shined on it then they they don't care it's uh, to, to, to give you here here's kind of a one one case that comes to mind that um there there was a cardinal in the u.s that was literally put in charge of ensuring that um, these cases were handled differently that they were dealt with differently his name was cardinal mccarrick and he was very strong for a zero tolerance policy you know if if someone's caught being abusive you know remove them from office or remove them from uh, the their ecclesiastical position defrock them you know don't let them continue to be around kids and then it was revealed that McCarrick himself had sexually abused minors like the cardinal who's in charge of overseeing this himself had been doing that and so then when this comes to light you have organizations like the catholic league come forward and their president uh, bill donahue who oh, he's paid oh fuck that guy he's paid half a million dollars a year to defend the catholic church at all costs so that means whitewashing this scandal blaming whoever he can you know trying to uh throw up smoke screens and diversions and make it look like it's less bad than it is. But he comes forward and he's like, well, do you know that it was a Catholic uh, Cardinal who uh, Cardinal Dolan who reported McCarrick and who turned him in like the system's working. And then you, you dig just a little bit deeper beneath the surface and you realize that his shining example of transparency, Cardinal Dolan had paid $20,000 to abusive priests basically as incentive money for them to step down because he didn't really want to have to bother going through the public process and the long drawn out process of um, defrocking them and, and actually, you know, seeking justice. And instead he he gives them $20,000 to, to step down quietly. And it's like, in what other circumstance, in what other situation, if you're working with kids and families and stuff, are you paid a $20,000 cash bonus for raping kids? In what other scenario? Mm-hmm. And and then um, a few years after that happened, then he he wrote to the Pope and he basically said, "Hey, look, I've got fifty seven million dollars of Catholic funds. You know, can we relocate this to a different bank because um, these abuses are coming to light and we want to protect this money from from victims suing us." So he's he's basically moving money around to to try to uh, prevent paying reparations to to people who've been raped by. Uh, members of the Catholic Church. And so this is the shining this is the shining example of transparency that Bill Donahue is putting forward and it's they're they're 100% complicit. It's 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 just inexcusable. It's inexcusable and disgusting and shocking and I don't understand why it keeps happening over and over and over and over again and why 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 anybody these days would still 
choose to identify themselves as a Catholic and to pay tithing to this criminal organization. Well, and, and I should point out too, and my next video I'm going to make is, is on this topic, is that this is not exclusive to the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is is the perfect example of it because they have this huge hierarchy in place. They have over a billion members. They have billions of dollars in funding. And so it's really easy to point to them because like they're so huge that this stuff is coming to light more. But if you start looking at other organizations, the Jehovah's Witnesses, have been extremely opaque and they don't go to the, the public authorities. They discourage you from, you know, seeking actual, going to actual courts or to, to the police about cases like this. And they, for a while, they were paying $4,000 a day to keep, um, their records out of the, the courts, um, when it, uh, of one particular abuse case, but this is systemic. Um, it happens in Muslim mosques where, you know, the clerics will be caught abusing priests or uh, abusing kids. Sorry. And they're caught abusing kids and the response is, oh no, this will damage the faith and so we have to sweep it under the rug. Whenever you have an ideology that is held as sacred, then anyone who comes forward and says some of the members of the clergy have done this, oftentimes the response is to defend the faith and to, to try to cover it up rather than actually caring for the, the survivors of abuse. But it's, it's not exclusive to one religion. It's, you know, a lot of times you'll, you'll look at like, you know, if you look at like a Methodist church or something, like usually they don't have the same type of hierarchy or the same level that you see in the Catholic church. And so there's, it's less common or it's usually more one-off cases. They may have high rates of it. It may be on a, you know, a church by church basis swept under the rug. It's not that it doesn't happen in those, those same places. It's just that the way the Catholic church is set up, they have a massive amount of power. So they're able to, um, lobby against, um, different action and they have huge sway within, you know, the, especially within right now the the conservative congress they have a massive amount of sway so yeah i i just think it's it's so fucking disgusting and frustrating i'm i'm just seething sitting here i can barely get my words out because i'm so angry about it and i'm trying to remain calm but it's it's just one of those things that it's like what else what else do people need to see about this what else will get them to change their minds on this or or lead them to the light to realize that the Catholic church doesn't give a fuck about the victims. It only cares about protecting itself. Yeah. Like why aren't there masses of people backed by all kinds of world governments all over the place? They're just going to all the diocese, all the Vatican and just burning the goddamn thing to the fucking <laughs> ground and spread their money around while they're at it. But I mean, that that's the reaction that should be happening, right? We should, we should, we should be, we should be so outraged as a, as a, uh, as a human as anybody yeah, yeah uh, that we just immediately there's nothing that's more important right now just take to the streets and get the fucking shit out of there yeah i i, I mean not that i'm doing anything but, <laughs> but but that's how i feel about it i mean i i don't understand how other let alone let alone collections i mean but but how anyone could even just not be mad about it uh, who yeah, are these people, right? Like, <laughs> who, who, are, who are these people that are sitting around not caring about this? I, I, I should <sighs> say, you know, like, I so I never condone violence of any kind. Um, I uh, yeah, I I'm not saying it's, it's I'm not saying right be violent, but I'm not saying be violent. Um, what what I will say is that um, you can and should picket the Catholic Church if you're donating. Stop donating. Um, I was just on um, uh, Atheists on Air 
and uh, talking about this issue. And one of the other guests that they had on was was also he was going around and picketing Catholic churches and getting people to um, to picket the Catholic Church as well. And so, you know, I think that that's something that all of us can do. His name it was a uh, Scott. I don't know how you pronounce his last name, Laducier or something, but he was. He was talking about it, and that's something that that we all can do. You know, uh, go on Snap and ask ask for a grand jury investigation. Show it, you know, give it the light that it it needs to have. You know, share my videos of the stuff. You know, I'm and I say that even though my videos are completely demonetized, I'm not getting you know cash back from this. Um, but uh, and and I've also I've put together a uh, a charity for the Survivors Network of those abused by priests as well, which I, I'll talk about in a second. But like. I, I don't encourage violence because, like, there was one case where a guy, after the Pennsylvania um, thing came to light, he just went into a random church and beat the crap out of one of the priests and said, this is for all the kids. And there was no indication that the priest that he bit, beat up was indeed a pedophile. And that just makes us look bad. Like, that that makes yeah, us... Yeah, we're, we're not condoning violence either here. We're Matt's referring more to the, burn, you know, burn it all down. That The, the mentality, it's, 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 it's... All fucking garbage and needs to go away. We're not yeah. saying go out to, and start setting churches on fire or anything. It's this, this all needs to be brought to light. And we don't understand why more people aren't outraged by this, especially the conservatives who get so fucking fired up and mad about somebody who takes a knee during a football game, for example, or, or uses the quote unquote wrong bathroom. Yeah. And yeah, there, right. and yet there are priests protected by a worldwide organization who are raping children at massive levels and they seem completely unconcerned about it. Yeah. It is it is extremely disturbing how how little blowback there has happened. Now, if if you right. go and you you look like there were people like when when the Boston Globe report came to light, there were people who were out picketing. There were Catholics who were out picketing their churches and who were, you know, had loudspeakers and were were outraged by it and rightfully so. Um but the fact is it's been going on for so long now, people kind of expect it. They they've kind of become complacent because they they see it as oh yeah, that's just, you know, being a priest is almost synonymous with being a pedophile or they're like oh well that's that's happening at other churches but my church is different my church is is one of the good ones and they don't realize that it nobody thinks that they're going to a church where the priest is raping their kid until after they find out that it happens it's akin to the to the gun violence debate or how terrible the current president of the United States is where it's just the steady drumbeat of horrific story after horrific story to where you kind of become numb to it mhm mm. yeah and I don't know what I don't know what else we can do to, you know, grab people by the collar and shake them and say, you need to pay attention to right. this. This is fucking important. Yeah, that's what my frustration is. Like, why aren't why? Why aren't people more outraged? That's what I'm that's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Well, and, and, you know, one reason why they're one reason why a lot of people are, are kind of looking the other way is because you have people like Bill Donahue going on religious programs and saying, oh, mm. hang on, the grand jury report's only telling half the story. You know, we have to look out for all these innocent priests and stuff and not not smear their good name. And a lot of them haven't even had a chance to, you know, to rebut the the claims against them. It's like, well, you know why they haven't had a chance to rebut it? It's because none of them actually stood trial because it was past the the statute of limitation date, you know? What people should be outraged at is that the church itself and that the church hierarchy brushed it under the, under the rug for so long to allow it to get to that point. And, you know, it's, 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 
the, I think what, what outraged me the almost like more than anything else is that while this is coming to light, you know, you have, um, abuse victims and survivors who, who are coming forward who, um, the, the Catholic Church is, is doing everything it can to shout them down and say that they're lying. So there was a guy in Ireland who he came forward and they had a five day commission where he had, you know, seven barristers that were interrogating him, government officials interrogating him. And then they, they bring over this 90 year old guy from Rome to tell him that he's lying and that he wasn't raped and that he wasn't beaten for hours. Like this, they're, they're treated like they're a bunch of liars who are just out for attention and money. When really they they just want justice, they want to be heard. And when the grand jury came forward, you know, you have Bill Donahue basically saying, "Oh, it's it's all hearsay. It's it's a bunch of baloney and stuff." And and then he calls it, in a letter to uh, Cardinal Dolan, he tried to smear SNAP, the organization that's literally just a collection of abuse survivors, and he called it a phony victims group. So, and this is a guy who he's paid five hundred thousand or almost five hundred thousand dollars by the Catholic Church to make statements in times like this. Well, and I wondered about that. Is the Catholic Defense League actually a wing of the Catholic Church? I've, it's been my understanding that it was kind of a separate entity that the Catholic Church is, isn't, isn't directly tied to them, but they don't ever really stand up and say, you know, Bill Donahue says some horrific shit and we disavow a lot of the things he says. They just kind of let it go unsaid. And so I don't know if if it's actually like a, a, por- a part of the Catholic Church or if it's a separate entity. Hmm. I'm I'm not sure the connections between it. Um, I know that every time that the Catholic Church does something like this, they're always quick to to jump on and defend them. Oh yeah, well that's that's um, right in their name. <laughs> I wonder what kind of toddler sized skeletons he's got in his closet. Yeah, it does look like it's technically a separate organization. They have 350 thousand members, um, and it is a nonprofit. But hmm. yeah, and it's I mean it's I've. Compared it to, there's a organization called FAIR. Uh, I can't remember what FAIR stands for, but it's basically a Mormon apologist group uh, here mm-hmm. in Utah that does basically the same functions as the Catholic Defense League and where they just trot out all of these ridiculous explanations for a lot of the terrible things that happen within the LDS church. And, you know, it's basically what the Catholic Defense League does and, and Bill Donahue does for the Catholic Church, They're where the Catholic it. Church, yeah, where they whitewash everything. And the Catholic Church says, oh, well, you know, the, the CDL isn't really part of our organization. And, you know, we don't, we don't have any control over what they say, but they never disavow any of the horrible things that, yeah. that come out of that guy's mouth. Well, and I, I mean, I told you that, you know, um, Cardinal Dolan literally sent a personal thank you note to Donahue for making that statement about SNAP. Right. You know, th- this is stuff that like they're 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 not just looking the other way. They're they're actually you know grateful for the work that the Catholic League does because it's it's helping whitewash their crimes, and it's you know when you have people like like Bill Donahue come forward, like he doesn't just he doesn't just come up with his own excuses. He's literally echoing some of the same um, the same sentiments that are are you know touted by you know members high up in the Catholic Church. So like there were after this this. Uh, most recent leak and after pretty much every leak that's that's happened in the last two decades you've you've had cardinals and bishops and priests come forward that literally they they blame it on a homosexual subculture and they'll say like oh it's just it's blame the gays it's their fault even though you know most gay people aren't pedophiles 
And, you know, by being gay, it doesn't increase your chance of becoming a pedophile. Um, the cover up certainly wasn't, um, a result of homosexuality. And, oh, are you sure it's not just part of that gay agenda we all hear about? (laughs) And, and you have, you have this entire organization is set up based around an extremely backwards way of selecting a bunch of celibate, sexually dysfunctional virgins, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to, that's, and yet they they somehow blame it on you know just people who happen to to love a member of the opposite sex and there's there's it's night and day, a night and day difference between having consensual you know a consensual loving relationship with someone who is you know a mature adult consenting adult versus someone who's raping a kid and you know, and then then you have him blaming it on oh, it's it's the devil, it's Satan and demonic influence, and it's you know the devil made me do it. And these these types of arguments they're being touted by the Catholic hierarchy, but they're also being echoed by the Catholic League. So it's not just Bill Donahue who's whitewashing it. He's like one of the most loud, boisterous ones because it's literally an advocacy group that's trying to counter discriminations against Catholics. But it's it's mm. a phony. Uh, idea that to think that the Catholic Church is the victim here, they're the, they're not the ones who are being victimized. Yeah, they're the perpetrators. They're not the victims. Yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely the victimizers and perpetrators. They're not the victims here because all of a sudden it was found out that they're abusing children. But they, they think, <laughs> right. but they think that they are the victims because, like, yeah. there, there was one case where um, a priest impregnated a girl in Pennsylvania and then paid for her abortion. And when, when the bishop, you know, the bishop sent a letter basically saying like, you know, I am so sorry for the difficult time that you're going through. I can't imagine how hard this is for, for, for you. He didn't send that letter to the rapist. He didn't send it to the girl. He sent it to the, the priest who had raped her, to the perpetrator. You know, his, his sentiment and his apology was, was to the, the perp. There was, there was another wow. woman who, um, was she she went to the the authorities you know i was telling you earlier about this woman who went to the authorities who had um passed the statute of uh, limitations date and so the the authorities couldn't do anything about it but then she found out in this this um recent uh grand jury report that the catholic church had actually hired a private investigator not to look into the actions of the priest but to dig up dirt on her and her daughter in case they needed to to undergo a smear campaign against her <laughs> so fucking disgusting and awful. I, uh, so what? What are we? What can we do to help the survivors and and the people who have been abused? So I've actually set up right now a GoFundMe for the the organization, uh, the um, Survivors Network of those abused by priests. And um, this, where we have a goal of five thousand dollars, we're about three fifths of the way there. And so in the last two weeks, we've raised over $3,000 and basically we're atheists supporting survivors of clergy abuse. And, um, the best part about this fundraiser is that, well, so it, so it is a, it's completely transparent. It's a 501c3. All of your donations are tax write-offs, tax deductible. Um, and, uh, I don't touch it at all. Like it's because they're in GoFundMe's database, like it, literally goes directly through um gofundme to it's i think it's called the paypal giving fund so um goes directly to them um that's completely transparent but the best part about this this fundraiser that we're doing is that we're making the donation courtesy of bill donahue so imagine the look <laughs> on his face when he finds out that a bunch of atheists responded to his um 
crazy defense of this Catholic scandal by donating a bunch of money to this this group of this that is that he called a phony victims group, and we're doing it in his name. And um, so yeah, hopefully we can can give them a little bit of support, let them find the you know be able to fund their organization better and and give the the resources and the justice to the survivors that they deserve and also if you're able to to go on snap's website and um request a grand jury investigation in your state that would be phenomenal um if you're not able to donate to this campaign if you're able to share it on facebook twitter youtube your podcasts wherever you can like the more people that we can get on board the the, the more funds that we can raise for them and and spread this around and and show them that you know we're we're not a bunch of angry atheists. Like we don't care if, if they're still Catholic or if they're, you know, still religious, like we want them to find healing. We're here because we're humanists because we, we care about people and, and we want them to have, have the, the healing and justice that they deserve. Absolutely. Thank you so much for putting this together and for coming on the show tonight to talk about it, Thomas. I think it's something really important that we should all contribute what we can and, or help spread the information to get others to help contribute to help the survivors of of this uh, terrible rampant abuse by catholic priests absolutely so i appreciate you doing it and i'm I'm sure you guys are going to include the link in the show notes but um for anyone listening it's gofundme.com slash fundraiser dash four dash snap yeah absolutely and as we're sitting here talking i am actually making a donation myself so you'll be seeing that you'll be seeing that come through i i really appreciate you doing this and for coming on the show to talk to us about it thomas thank you so much absolutely thank you guys again so much for having me hi this is regina tippets i'm a licensed professional counselor you can find me at secular therapy project or rctcounseling.com and you're listening to the godless revolution mormonism god love it it does take crazy to a whole new level i mean all religions are magic tricks Mormonism is just a particularly bad novelty shop level intelligence insulting magic trick. This religion is so ridiculous, Tom Cruise would not join it and Glenn Beck did. (laughs) You and the Godless Revolution will be reassimilated in three, two, one. Well, I think it's awesome that Thomas is doing that. Yes. Setting that up for the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests. The first time I heard about Snap was through watching Ray Donovan on Showtime. It's the one with Leave Schreiber as the lead character. He's kind of a, he's a, he work, he lives and works in Hollywood. He's kind of a fix it guy, the tough guy that, mm-hmm. you know, these celebrities get in trouble and he makes their problems go away kind of guy. Uh, but his, he has a, one of his brothers in the show. Of course, they're all Catholic from from Boston. Who is this? Leif Schreiber. Okay. And the show is Ray Donovan on Showtime. Oh, okay. And one of his brothers was abused. Well, they were all abused Wait, when they were this younger. This is the story, right? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Not in real life. This is in this. Because I was like, that sounds like a pretty Jewy name in the show. <laughs> well, you know who Leif Schreiber is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but he doesn't strike me as a hardcore Catholic from Boston. <laughs> No, in the show he does a, he he plays he plays the part well, but that's the first time I heard about Snap because one of his brothers, uh, oh, I see, is is a member of Snap and goes goes to therapy through them and won a settlement or I don't even know if it was a settlement or I can't remember if he actually took the church to court or if they just you know offered a settlement instead of going to court. 
but he he had quite a bit of money from that and that's the first time i'd heard of snap that's and crazy he could do all of that while f- was this before or after fighting wolverine <laughs> uh after after oh. for sure mm. um but B- it busy just, guy i get I, I i get so angry and so frustrated with this that it you you all heard it during the interview that I can't I can barely get my words out because I'm just fuming. But why? What are you so mad off. about? Well, <laughs> I think we we've mentioned it before on the show. Uh, I was abused when I was really young, like young enough that the threats that I received after being abused about you know you can't tell your parents or I'm going to hurt them I'm going to hurt you I'm going to hurt your sister that kind of thing that you know I I just carried that with me until I was in my twenties, like I didn't tell anybody about it. And my mom found out about it because I was going through my divorce and it was, you know, part of our custody battle, whatever evaluation and everything. I talking in talking to a therapist about it Mm. who was doing the custody evaluation and everything. She asked if you've ever been abused before. And so, yeah, you know, said, yes, I was. And these are the circumstances. And so and I still hadn't actually spoken to my mother about it. And she didn't find out until we were in court one day and sure. they talked about it in court. And she was, of course, sad and angry a little bit, I think, and hurt that I hadn't shared it with her before. But it was like, you know, by the time I reached an age where I realized what had happened was bad and it wasn't my fault, it was like, it's so long ago. I don't know the guy's name. Yep. I don't know anything about him other than that he abused me when I was young enough that I can barely remember it almost, you know? Right. And so to tell her about it then is like, clearly the statute of limitations has run out on it. Sure. I don't know the guy's name. I don't know if she would remember who it is. It was a friend of, uh, it was a friend of family friends, you know? Hmm. And so it just, it, it, it makes me so fucking mad because they're taking advantage oftentimes of children so young that they don't have any idea even what's really going on. Well, it's, it's victim squared at that point, right? Because that's, it's the abuse and then it's the threats afterward. And then, and then you carry now, now you carry both of those things for me for, you know, another two decades or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so it just, it, it makes me so mad because I, I, I was a victim myself when I was young and I know the kind of harms that can come from that. Luckily, I, there's no, there's no good way to say it. Luckily, it only happened to me a few times, mm. you know, that it, it wasn't a frequent recurring thing that happened, but it's still, I mean, it, it has left scars with me that I've carried through my life from then to now. And I'm sure we'll have them the rest of my life. I've, I've spoken to therapists about it and, and had counseling for it and shit like that. But the, the perpetrators often don't, you know, they, they have no concern really for their victims. No, of course, none. And then you heap threats on top of that. And then when it comes from somebody who, is ostensibly they're spreading God's love and right. they're, they're God's mouthpiece for you personally. They're, they're somebody who everybody in your church looks up to as a leader, as a, as a holy man of God, as somebody who could do no wrong that you can't, you can't easily express what has happened to you when you're that age because no. most of the time adults won't fucking believe you anyway. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, a priest would never do that. He's a good godly man. And that's, that's another reason why I hate that, that fucking phrase whenever I hear it from anybody. Oh, well, he's a good Christian man. Or, oh, he's a right. good Catholic. He's right. a good whatever. They tie any kind of religious belief automatically to being a good person. Right. To, to morality. And that's, that's so harmful for a, for a variety of reasons. But that's my primary objection to it is that then it sets them up as somebody who can never do any right, wrong. Right. Right. The elevation of a human in that way. Yeah. It, it creates a shield around this person where they can't do any, anything wrong. And anytime any allegations are leveled against them or any kind of bad word comes out about them, everybody stands up and says, Oh, no, that couldn't happen. He's a priest. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a bishop. He's a good Christian man. He's a good Catholic. He's a good Mormon. He's a good Baptist, whatever the fuck. And they don't, they don't take the time to really study the person's background and, and that they could have done these things. It's, well, they have a religious belief, so clearly they're a good person. We need to start changing that and say, well, he he could have definitely done that because he's a bad pedophile man, you know, <laughs> yeah. and just change the words to what they actually are. Well, and when you hear about the the types of abuse going on within churches, it shouldn't be that you have – any reason to doubt any yeah. allegations yeah. against these people in the future. At this point, churches are places to go to get your kid diddled. Yeah. That's what they're for. Yeah. Unfortunately for way too many kids, that is what happens. Yeah. And it just, it, it makes me so, so angry that I can barely speak about it. <laughs> and by the way, I'm really sorry to hear that about that with you, man. Oh, thank Well, I, we've mentioned it like, Many, many, many episodes ago, just kind of yeah. in passing a little bit, I think. But but still, I mean, it just it sucks, and I hate. Well, thank I you. hate to hear about it from people that I care about and and love. So yeah, thank you. Sorry, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, it's it's you know it was so long ago that it's not something that I think about on a daily basis anymore but it is something that whenever this comes every up every time course, this yeah, comes up yeah every yeah. fucking time something like this every time i hear of an, an an abuse story from another person for anything it comes up so i it it, it bothers me that i hear these stories more and more and more because personally then it brings up my memories of this more and more often and to think that it just keeps happening over and over and over again in a church where they know that it's going on. And yeah. instead of protecting the victims, they protect the church. And that's fucking disgusting. It's criminal. I don't know why there aren't more investigations into this and why there aren't more prosecutions yeah. for it. We have the evidence. We have the church themselves saying that yep. this is what happened. Why aren't they going after the priests then? Yep. Yeah, that's what I don't. That's what why I don't aren't get. they in fucking prison right now? And why is there a statute of limitations on this? There's a statute. There's no statute of limitations on murder, right? Right. Why is there? And it's because that is a loss that is forever. That person is gone. That mm. loss is has that has been suffered. There's no statute of limitations on it because that person is just fucking gone now. There's sure. no way to make things right for that person. Sure. It should be the same with sexual abuse. There shouldn't be a statute of limitations on sexual abuse cases because you carry that shit with you mm-hmm. for the rest of your fucking life. Yep. Hmm. Just makes me very angry. Um, and on the heels of that, we find out that the uh, Catholic diocese here in Utah, as I mentioned to Thomas during our interview, uh, this was published in... The Salt Lake Tribune just yesterday. 
It says, in the past three decades, the Catholic Diocese of Salt Lake City has received credible allegations of sexual abuse involving 16 priests. Two of those allegations were received just this year, with one case revealed publicly for the first time Thursday in a letter to Catholics from Bishop Oscar A. Solis. The letter, called Report to the People of God of the Diocese of Salt Lake City, is likely the first time Utah Catholics have received this type of accounting of sex abuse allegations against priests, said Diocese spokesman Gene Heal. Hill, sorry, not Heal. It also marks the first time the diocese acknowledged outside the, pra- the parishes where he served that a second priest has been put on leave this year in connection to a sexual abuse allegation. That allegation involved Father Jorge Martinez Gomez, who was put on leave in early July after an allegation of misconduct involving a man. Parishioners at St. Francis of Assisi in Orem were told about the allegations involving the parochial vicar that month. A copy of the pulpit announcement was, was released to the Salt Lake Tribune on Thursday. It said that the alleged misconduct occurred in December 2016, but that the diocese was not made aware of the allegations until July 3rd. Martinez Gomez was placed on leave that same day, according to the announcement, and the incident was reported to police officials. Last month, the diocese announced that Father David R. Gaita, who was serving as pastor at St. Peter Parish in American Fork, was placed on leave while the State Division of Child and Family Services, police, and the diocese investigate allegations of sexual misconduct involving at least two minors. In addition to the 16 priests accused since 1990, there have also been sexual abuse allegations against one religion brother and one seminarian. In total, the Salt Lake City Diocese, which oversees all parishes in Utah, say there have been approximately 34 alleged victims of abuse from these allegations in the Beehive State, and the instances took place from 1960 to 2018. Most of the allegations were made after the priests had left the priesthood, retired, moved to their home country, or died, but the document said two priests were stripped of their church position. In 2004, then-Utah Bishop George H. Niederauer said in a statement that from 1950 until 2002, there were 18 credible allegations of sexual abuse against 13 priests in the Diocese of Salt Lake City. That represented 2.7% of the 476 priests who served the diocese during those years, said Niederauer, who died last year. Solis wrote in Thursday's letter, which will be published in the Intermountain Catholic newspaper, that the global Catholic Church has been embroiled in a very shocking, painful, shameful sexual scandal that has brought anger, pain, and doubt to members. On behalf of all my brother priests and myself, I beg your forgiveness for the offending clergyman's sins and failings, he wrote. I assure you... (laughs) of our sincere efforts in providing a safe place for our children. The bishop asked Utah's 300,000-plus Catholics to pray for the victims and their families to find healing, justice, and peace, and to pray for priests so they may continue to strive to be true shepherds of Christ dedicated in caring for their flock. So why why should we pray now after? Why should the victims have to pray? What about the prayers while it was going on? What yeah. about the times that they were crying out to heaven while they're being raped? Yeah, and why why would you With have no to, answer? Why would you have to pray? Is it is it that God's attention is turned somewhere else and you need to snap your fingers? Hey, hey, fucker, look over here. Look what's going on down here. Yeah. Well look what your representatives here on earth are doing <laughs> in your name. It's uh, I just I can't. I don't I I just f- fucking mad. <laughs> I, I'm kind of in that, I'm kind of in that same position. I I don't really know what else to say about it. I mean, it's, 
how many times have we talked about the this the, the Catholic sex abuse stuff on our on our show? I mean, time and time and time and time again. Oh yeah, it's come up. And well, over the uh, this is what I was trying to say with uh, Thomas is that I just don't understand why everyone isn't as outraged as we are about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, well, you know how they can hear this stuff and just meh. Oh, it happens sometimes. Wasn't me or you know anybody in my family, so. I'm or, not going to oh, be too outraged but, but about it. But it probably is. Yeah. It probably is them or someone in their family and they're still meh. Yeah. I mean, how does are, that happen? Yeah. These are, these are the reported cases that we're, right. na- that we're hearing about. My case was never reported to anybody else. How right. many, how many other children out there have cases like this that were just never reported to anybody? I think they, I think the number that they guess is about one in 20 of all abuse cases like this are uh, not just in the clergy, but mm. just all sex abuse cases. One in 20 are reported. Maybe. Oh, really? Oh, oh only one in 20 are reported. Yeah. Maybe oh, wow. it might, it's probably higher than that, but that's what they think. Oh, wow. So, you know, someone reported it and then t- you're one of the 20. Oy. That's, and then that one person, it's it's not believed or it's it's discredited or, you know, whatever else, or it's paid off or whatever else they're doing, that it's just one twentieth of all the examples that they have to uh, have to keep quiet or or fight somehow, you know? Yeah. So Lise, who assumed the diocese reigns in March 2017, promised that any reports of sexual abuse in Utah will result in a priest's temporary suspension. And oh. mandatory reporting to DCFS and local police. Really bringing down the hammer, huh? Well, I mean, that the last bit certainly is a big change. They didn't used to report it to external agencies at all. It was all kept in-house. Well, so that's true, but... A mandatory reporting to DCFS and local police sounds like a good start. Uh, victims will be offered therapy, he wrote, and the suspension of a priest will be announced in his parish. Additionally, Solis said the diocese will adhere to a, quote, zero-tolerance policy. End quote, in which no priest or church minister found to have abused a minor or are credibly accused of such abuse will be allowed to return to the ministry. <laughs> so it sounds like Salt Lake has got their stuff more together than the mainline or, or home church back at the Vatican. Yeah, but they need to be in prison. Oh, for sure. Why? Yeah. Why haven't there been priests imprisoned over this? Yeah. Uh, the Diocese of Salt Lake City is committed to carrying out this sacred duty re- responsibly and faithfully now and in the future, he wrote. With your support, we hope to provide a safe environment for all children and everyone. Solis's letter was released the same day Pope Francis met with leaders of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops to talk about the sex abuse scandals that have lacerated the church. A Pennsylvania grand jury report alleged that more than 1,000 children were sexually abused by over 300 clergy in six dioceses in that state, and that a systemic cover-up effort by church leaders took place over a span of 70 years. In other states, such as New York and New Jersey, state attorneys general announced criminal investigations. The Utah Attorney General's office said no investigation is underway here. I encourage you all to use the link that we will provide in the show notes where you can go and ask your uh, state attorney general to look into these types of things. Revelations also surfaced in the U.S. that one of Pope Francis's trusted cardinals, the retired Archbishop of Washington, Theodore McCarrick. Hey, we don't use the R word. Right? <laughs> uh, retired? Oh, <laughs> that sounded a little better. <laughs> uh, allegedly sexually abused and harassed minors as well as adult seminarians. 
More recently, a former Vatican ambassador to the United States alleged that Pope Benedict XVI and Francis were aware of the accusations against McCarrick for years before he resigned this summer. Wow. Pope Fluffy and Pope Benny yep. knew about this for years and didn't boot him out. They allowed him to retire years after finding about the abuse. Yep. In August, in the first papal visit to Ireland in 39 years, Francis apologized for the crimes of the Catholic Church there, acknowledging that thousands of Irish children were sexually and physically abused at Catholic churches, schools, and workhouses, and that women were forced to give up their children if they became pregnant out of wedlock. A sex abuse scandal in Chile dominated headlines during Francis's visit there in January. He recently adopted the resignation or I'm sorry, he recently accepted the resignation of five of the 31 bishops who offered to step down over their disastrous handling of abuse cases. Again, I just am so fucking angry by this. Yep, it's it's real stupid. One more that I get to be angry about. <laughs> because it's not, as Thomas mentioned in, during the interview, it's not just the Catholic Church that has these types of problems. Nor is it just the Catholic Church in certain areas or any other church in certain areas. It happens all over the place, even here in Utah. And not just the Catholic Church here in Utah, even the LDS Church. Mm. This comes to us from local news channel 2KUTV, which uh, made a little report of a recent thing on the Mormon Leaks website. Mormon leaks is like WikiLeaks, but for documents that are not great or that the LDS Church would like to not be available to the public. Welcome to 2 News at 6. That document was leaked by an anonymous source. The website Mormon Leaks posted the document saying it reveals how the Mormon Church handled the sex abuse allegations. Yeah, Christina Flores on the story for us tonight. What exactly does the document say, Christina? Well, it talks about uh, several cases from 2012 that involve sexual abuse allegations involving missionaries, even a stake president. Now, the founder of Mormon Leaks says the person who leaked the document to him is solid. He says the document shows how the church investigated these cases without going to police. Oh, right. Because why would they want to go to the yeah. police to report the actual crimes that uh, that have occurred or that were reported to them? You know, why would they do that? Because it might be damaging to the church. Right. Who cares about the victims? We need to protect the church first. And so we're not going to go to the police with this. We'll handle it in-house. It seems to show that the church's main concern here is the image and sort of the after effects of these, this abuse, as opposed to their focus being on the victims. Ryan McKnight, founder of the website Mormon Leak, says the once confidential document titled Special Investigations and Projects was created by Mormon church lawyers at the law firm Kurt McConkie, but leaked by a person who wants to stay anonymous. This person's credibility, uh, in my judgment, is above reproach. The document gives a summary of the allegations and resolutions. In one case, a stake president is accused of sexually touching a young girl. The resolution says a stake president denies the allegations and is, quote, mystified. We will stay close to this one, the document reads. 
Two cases involved missionaries sexually abusing young children. One of those missionaries confessed. Another case involves a missionary kissing and sexting a 15-year-old girl. The document says, quote, The missionary department is reluctant to send this elder home, where he may face prosecution for a felony. I think that... <laughs> Hmm. We don't we don't want to send him home because he might face prosecution for a felony. So we'll leave him in the mission field where he's been molesting people. Yep. Fuck me. That along with the other cases, it shows that that they are not always calling law enforcement first. McKnight says he doesn't know how the Mormon Church handles sexual assault allegations now, but he says a call to police should always be first. In my book, the only conversations that should be going on here is what are we doing for the victim the perpetrator is being handled by the police yeah you should be more concerned with the victim yep that's what the church should be focusing on the the person who has done it he's absolutely right there the person who has done it should be the focus of the police not the church right now, McKnight says that after he got that document, he contacted the law firm to confirm the authenticity of the document. They responded to him only by saying that he should black out the names of the victims before posting the document. Now, we called the law firm, too, twice today, didn't hear back from them. We also called the LDS Church, did not get a response from them either. Mark and Shauna, back to you. Mark and Shauna, back to you. <laughs> and that's the end of it. Yeah. I'm just beside myself uh it's it's heartbreaking it's 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 angering very very much yep and so i think you know we should all do the the best we can to help the surviving uh people that have been abused by various religions and clergy members within those religions family members and and help donate to this uh, fundraiser for SNAP set up by Thomas and and, mm -hmm. and crew. I will be sure that we provide links to all of that stuff in the show notes. Let's talk about some different shit now, shall we? Sure. Hey, gang, this is Jack Materko from For Infernal Use Only and the Naked Diner podcast, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. I came back and I said, what is going on? What's the big deal? So I got a transcript, I reviewed it. I actually went out and uh, reviewed a clip of uh, an answer that I gave. And I realized that there is a need for some clarification. It should have been obvious. I thought it would be obvious, but I would like to clarify just in case it wasn't. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't or why it wouldn't be Russia. So just to repeat it, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. And the sentence should have been, and I thought it would be maybe a little bit unclear on the transcript or unclear on the actual video. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative. So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. All right, Matt. 
What have you this, this week? This is an opinion piece from Jonathan Merritt uh, that I thought was pretty good. And uh, Yeah, it, do you know much about Jonathan Merritt? I do not, oh. but I may pay more attention to him. Yeah. <laughs> Punch that fucking microphone. <laughs> Uh, perhaps the only subject Donald Trump likes talking about as much as the almighty self is, well, almighty God. Need proof? At the White House state-like dinner for evangelical leaders in the late August, President, uh, President Trump spoke about the glory of God and the power of prayer while promising that he would ensure America would forever proudly remain one nation under God. This kind of religious rhetoric is not new for Trump. He has consistently tried to grab him by the Bible when addressing his uncritical conservative base. <laughs> At a 2015 – it sounds like I edited this, but <laughs> this is his writing. At a 2015 rally, he declared that the good book was his favorite published work of all time, just topping the art of the deal. During another speech the same year, he, he waved his childhood Bible in the air to prove his religious bona fides. Trump has even indicated that God probably had a hand in, in, in the election, noting that such a victory would require major help from God, and we got it. Which is kind of funny, right? That he's saying he's such he's such an unelectable and in and and and, and uh, uh, unqualified candidate. That the only way that this is going to work is if God really some, throws some kind it of magic, our, yeah. throws it our way. Uh, considering these anecdotes, one might assume that Trump is. Uh, one might assume that Trump using the presidential mega microphone to speak about faith might help revive God talk among the masses. But according to a new poll I commissioned with Barna Group, a prominent social research firm focused on religion and public life, it may be hurting the Christian cause rather than helping. In our poll of more than 1,000 American adults, 93% of respondents said they do not talk about their faith regularly. Indeed, a whopping 87% of church-going Christians said the same. And among those who avoid God talk, one of the top motivations for their uh, – that's a word I've never seen before. <laughs> I think it's reticence though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Reticence. I've never seen that written – I've never seen that word written before. Oh, really? Yeah. You probably didn't – you weren't expecting that C in the middle, right? Yeah. That threw me a little. Uh, yeah. Top motivations for their – I've heard it – I've heard it said. It's not a common <laughs> word I use. Uh, top motivations for their reticence is feeling put off by how religion is has been politicized. Um, there's something about this seat over here and words <laughs> sitting in Ryan's chair today. From sea to, to shining sea, spiritual conversations are now an endangered species. Well, that's not true. Um, and when politicians like Trump co-opt religious language for political ends, it accelerates the demise of sacred speech. I, I get tired of that. Them saying that their their religious rights are a fucking protected species. Really? That, that's, yeah. such, that's such fucking uncritical yeah. nonsense. Yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, the proliferation of social media combined with a 24-7 news cycle of this era amplifies every word a politician speaks. So when a politician like Trump appropriates God talk, it ripples out into the broader culture like never before. Unlike those who have occupied the Oval Office in, in years past, the thrice-married foul-mouthed Trump has also added disadvantage of not has also has the added disadvantage of not being believably religious. The president has clearly taken a crash course in Christian rhetoric, but the lack of depth shows up in his public speeches. But despite this data, you shouldn't expect Donald Trump to cut out the God talk anytime soon. He needs religious voters support and religious language is a deft tool for signaling that he has their back. 
When the conservative faithful hear their commander-in-chief talking in such a way, it makes them feel like the culture wars are finally tilting in their direction. (laughs) But as it turns out, the opposite is true. The president's public religiosity is actually contributing to a culture – to the cultural secularism that his faithful supporters assume he's helping beat back. Well, yeah, because because people who actually know much about their faith and – and atheists look at what he's doing and can instantly see that he's a, a disingenuous fraud. Yep. He doesn't, he doesn't believe any of the religious bullshit that he spews. No. And it's because, it, yeah, and you can tell because it's so, it's, it is at such a shallow depth. Anything right, right. that he says, it's Bible, Bible, Jesus, God, prayers. Yeah. It's faith. a total shell. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, where he doesn't, you know, he can't name his favorite verse in the sure, Bible, right. or I'll, I would guess that he could maybe only name one or two actual books in the Bible. Well, one of them was two Corinthians or something, right? Didn't he get hammered yeah. for that? Yeah. Which the the and the the funny thing about that is that uh, I believe, and maybe the uh, skeppy chappies can correct me on it, but I believe that's the way they do it in England. I think they do say two Thessalonians or two Kings. Yeah, I think it depends. I think it is a regional. A regional thing. Yeah. I mean, so in that way, and his mom is from Scotland. Yeah. So he may have been raised, oh, the only time hearing it would be like two kings or two. Th- it's not that. Because he's not going to hear it anywhere else. Right. Because really, he, doesn't, he doesn't go to church. He wasn't he a regular attender exactly. of any church. So that's and, what that shows. But yeah. the funny thing was that, that you know, you have all these, you know, religious folks uh, even making fun of him for that. And yet they don't even realize that. That's an acceptable pronunciation outside of the United States. Well, why would we expect them to know anything else? In the yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't take that one too seriously when he said it that way. I yeah, thought that's that, not that's not that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, that, that didn't really show anything. That didn't really bother me either. But yeah. it it became pretty. It became clear very very quickly that he has no real right knowledge of what's in the bible or of any specific religious teaching he's just this he has this vague sense of what christians are and do and how they act and and the type of cheap throwaway rhetoric that they use all the time right and that's he just parrots that what else you got for us uh this is an older well do we want to do that one i always do this i like older things maybe maybe it has something to do with me being older yeah yeah um, a, okay, so when was this? This is July, back in July. Oh, God, in the age of the internet and 24 news hour cycle, that's... <laughs> that's ancient, right? Yeah. Um, volunteer groups from several U.S. states were stranded in Haiti Sunday, uh, Sunday, July 8th, after violent protests over fuel prices canceled flights and made roads unsafe. Uh, church groups in Southern Carolina, and why did I say Southern? <laughs> I saw South, and I and I saw South Carolina, and I said Southern, <laughs> Southern Carolina. Uh, church groups. Do we have any listeners in Haiti? Oh, you know what? I haven't checked our map lately. We I, might. I don't know if I've ever checked Haiti. We should. Yeah, we'll check the stats and shit at the end of the show because I. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't looked at it for a long time now. Well. If we do, this will be fun. Sac pase negmue. Mue pale creo me mue papale creo bien pasque mue blanc. They'll think that's fucking hilarious. Okay. Uh, church groups in South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. Fuck, their, fuck everybody else, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's something. That's a, those, that's a little special taste. Well, we're talking you, about Haiti. <laughs> I speak English all the time on this show <laughs> for everybody else. Um, 
Church groups in South Carol- Southern Carolina, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama are among those who haven't been able. I did it on purpose that time. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure you did. That haven't been able to leave, according to newspaper and television reports. Some flights were resuming Sunday afternoon, according to airline officials and the flight tracking website FlightAware. Hmm. I'm not aware of FlightAware. <laughs> now you are. Mm-hmm. American Airlines spokes, uh, spokesman Ross Feinstein. Maybe it's Feinstein. I'm not sure. I can never tell. I think it's Feinstein. Feinstein. <laughs> American Airlines spokesman Ross Feinstein said in an email that uh, two flights bound for Miami and one for New York had taken off Sunday afternoon. But even getting to an airport could be risky. U.S. You know what? I'm bored by my by this story. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. Uh, this comes from Pulse Nigeria, and is definitely not written by a native English speaker, but I'll just read it as written. Uh, everyone, including Muslims, is susceptible to loneliness, sadness, hopelessness, despair, and depression. But even those can overcome with Islam, which is not just a religion, but also a complete way of life. The way they, the way they opened that, I was sure that it was going to be critical of Islam because uh-huh. it's everyone and even the people who yep. aren't people, yeah. you know, the Muslims. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here is how to overcome depression the Islamic way. Pray. Islam offers supplications or prayers for everything, including overcoming anxiety and sorrow. Depression can be defined as a low mood where the depressed person is given thoughts that lead to hopelessness and despair. I don't know who's giving them these fucking thoughts, but I'd hope they, <laughs> I wish they would stop. Uh, so in order to deal with this and fully overcome it, it makes sense to recite the last chapter of the Quran. Ooh, okay. Just, it makes sense. It just makes sense. I mean, I... I knew it made sense, and I had never heard of this before. Right. So there, clearly there must be something very valuable and related directly <laughs> to depression in this, right? Um, it's, a six, it's a short six-verse invocation for anyone who needs protection from God. Um, ah, fuck. I didn't uh, – I don't think that's in I there. I didn't include it. Oh, you really? You didn't? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the other thing that could be said about that is that uh, if there is such a verse that's it's a short six six verse invocation that uh, offers protection for everyone, uh-huh. uh, what about all those LGBTQ muzzies that were getting chucked off rooftops? Did they not know that verse? I mean, some of them yeah. must have, right? So maybe they just hadn't prayed with it every day. Yeah, it hadn't it hadn't they had omitted that part of their prayer? Yeah, I suppose. Um, the second way is to reconnect with Allah, uh, prophet Muhammad may peace and blessings be upon him. So they're, they're adding more to the pubba. <laughs> you said, you said reconnect with Muhammad and I instantly with thought of Allah. docking. Uh, didn't I say, did I say Muhammad or Allah? Allah. Did I, uh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, may have said, Muhammad. I'm sure you said whatever's on the paper. I'm not Southern Carolina. <laughs> But when it, okay, one of those two guys, whenever you sure. said whenever you said their name, I instantly went I thought of docking. I don't know why you you're gonna be you're Are gonna, there a lot of port cities there in the in Nigeria? <laughs> I, I mean the the slang slang docking. Slang docking. Where you've you know what we've we've I think we've talked about docking on the show. <laughs> right? We've talked about docking. Yeah, we have. Okay. Yeah, we have. Fucking with me, man. Um so here's how to reconnect with Allah. 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 Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings be upon him, said, 
I am as my servant expects that I am. I am with him when he mentions me. If he mentions me to himself, I mention him to myself. And if he mentions me in an assembly, I mention him in an assembly greater than it. (laughs) If he draws near me a hand's length, I draw near to him an arm's length. And if he comes to me walking, I go to him at speed. (laughs) I will always be better than you always in everything, fuckers. So so that fucking Abbott and Costello routine is how to reconnect (laughs) with Allah, apparently. Uh, the third way to overcome this is to overcome depression by the way in case everyone forgot Uh, have faith and remain thankful as you wait on Allah now I don't know if that means like wait for him or if you literally put a towel over your arm and I would I would guess it's wait for him Uh, yeah Yeah. I'm waiting on you yeah (laughs) yeah he is from the he's from the southern Southern Carolina (laughs) (laughs) They use that in Southern Dakota, too, so who knows? Uh, The prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, God, that fucking bullshit pabaha stuff they put in the front of there. It fucks up the whole sentence. Peace be upon him. They have to, like, say that after every, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uppercut. (laughs) All right, hopefully hopefully it's knocked out now. Uh, So the prophet said this. Allah is pleased with his servant if, when he eats something, he thanks Allah for it, and when he drinks something, he thanks Allah for it. And remember, when your Lord proclaimed, if you are grateful, I will surely increase you. But if you deny, indeed, my punishment is severe. So, there you have it, the secret to curing uh, (laughs) clinical depression. And uh, I'm happy about that. I'm going to call Eeyore right away. I'm going to get this whole thing figured out. I got you covered, man. Oh, I'll bet you don't. <laughs> Thanks for noticing me. Uh, <laughs> what? That was that was a good Eeyore. Oh. Thanks for noticing <laughs> me. This comes from Harriet Sherwood uh, at The Guardian, which I think, I'm not sure if, are, I don't know if that's a conservative or uh, or more liberal it's a British some shit paper. I don't know if they have paper. Which anymore. one is it? The Guardian. Uh, I think it's fairly liberal. Fairly liberal. The Gar- yeah, yeah, The Guardian. That's yeah. what I thought, too. Yeah. Okay. Progressive. Uh-huh. Uh, religious education in British schools needs a major overhaul to reflect an increasingly diverse world and should include the study of atheism, agnosticism, and secularism. A two-year investigation has concluded. Hmm. The subject should be renamed religion and worldviews to equip young people with the respect and empathy for different faiths and viewpoints, says the Commission on Religious Education in a report published on Sunday. Oh, but that would be diversity and we'd learn to be more kind and compassionate and understanding right. of, of various peoples. We wouldn't want that. Yeah. Out yeah. of that stuff. Terrible. Uh Content must reflect the complex, diverse, and plural nature of worldviews, drawing from a range of religious, philosophical, spiritual, and other approaches to life, including different traditions within Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, and Sikhism, non-religious worldviews and concepts including humanism, secularism, atheism, and agnosticism. Oh, good on you. And uh, they're they're not going to have time for maths. There was a whole lot of isms. Was. Uh, all pupils in, <clears throat> is that a first? I think it is. All pupils. Yeah. I think it I is a first. My voice, my, even yeah. puberty, my voice didn't ever crack. Really. My, my voice bit, cracks fairly often, but I don't think I've ever heard yours crack. Yeah. Hmm. 
All pupils in publicly funded schools should study the subject up to year 11, the report says, but it falls short of recommending the uh, abolition of the right of parents to withdraw children from religious education. It comes three weeks after figures showed, oh, sorry, figures showed the number of pupils taking religious studies at a level, a level this year had fallen by 20. God damn it. I'm skipping that. Boring fake the news. The study, Skip ahead. Yeah. The study. Well, I'm trying to imagine listening to this and I'd just be, I'm lost reading it and I'm looking at the words. So, uh, the study of religion and worldviews provides insight into the sciences, the arts, literature, history, and contemporary local and global social and political issues. It enables young people to develop greater respect and empathy for others. It adds, I mean, hopefully, right. But, it depends on what the person is like going into this. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't expect, uh, you know, Hasidic Jews and, and uh, you know, conservative Muslims to be going into these classrooms and having their eyes opened. I, I mean, I think it's a good idea. I think yeah. we should I think we should expose people to as many views and different things as possible, um, you know, because like we said at the top of the show, fucking burritos. <laughs> burritos and tacos my friends that's all i'm gonna say yeah tacos i think they say in britain <laughs> i like the fajitas too yeah the chicken ones are good mm. ash steak ones are good i think it seems like they're bringing those out a bit too early though the fajitas it seems like it right every time someone orders it, it's like <laughs> <laughs> that plate's way too hot for that yeah, food it's still almost, fucking cooking it yeah man. <laughs> that's what it seems like to me <laughs> Hi, this is Dr. Hector Garcia, author of Alpha God, and you are listening to Godless Revolution. Yeah, just, th just think about the Muslims at this moment who are blowing themselves up, uh, convinced that they are agents of God's will. There is absolutely nothing that Dr. Craig can, can say against their behavior in moral terms, apart from his own faith-based claim that they're praying to the wrong God. If they had the right God, what they were doing would be good on divine command theory. Now, I'm obviously not saying that all the Dr. Craig or all religious people are psychopaths and psychotics, but this to me is the, is the true horror of religion. It allows perfectly decent and sane people to believe by the billions what only lunatics could believe on their own. If you wake up tomorrow morning thinking that saying a few Latin words over your pancakes is going to turn them into the body of Elvis Presley, you have lost your mind. Okay. But if you think more or less the same thing about a cracker and the body of Jesus, you're just a Catholic. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! Uh, you want to do one more? Oh, okay. Sure. Maybe. Yeah, we got You want to do maybe one more? Oh, let's see. What's, uh... It's a fun one. Do I have a fun one? I don't know. Oh, they're all fun. All right. Let's just go with this uh, New York Times. Uh, it's a tough time to defend religion. Respect for it has diminished in almost every corner of modern life, everywhere but Southern Carolina. Not just among atheists and intellectuals, <laughs> but among the wider public view, too. And the next generation of young people looks likely to be the most religiously unaffiliated demographic in recent memory. There are good reasons for this disconnect. Continued revelations of abuse by priests and clerics, jihad campaigns against infidels and homegrown Christian hostility toward diversity and secular culture. 
This convergence of bad behavior and bad press has led many to echo the evolutionary biologist E.O. Wilson's claim that for the sake of human progress, the best thing would we could possibly do would be to diminish to the point of eliminating religious faiths. Despite the very real problems with religion and my own historical skepticism toward it, I don't subscribe to that view. I would like to argue here, in fact, that we still need religion. Perhaps a story is a good way to begin. <sighs> mm-hmm. uh, one day, after pompously lecturing a class of undergraduates about the incoherence of monotheism, mm-hmm. it is incoherent, you dumb fuck. <laughs> I was approached by a shy student. He nervously stuttered through a heartbreaking story, one that slowly unraveled my own convictions and assumptions about religion. This sounds like one of those uh, God's Not Dead sort of yeah, beginnings. Yeah, this is, this, is a, you, this Marine taught this atheist yes, exactly, a real lesson. Exactly. <laughs> Five years ago, he explained his older teenage brother had been brutally stabbed to death, viciously attacked and mutilated by a, a perpetrator who was never caught. My student, his mother, and his sister were shattered. His mother suffered a mental breakdown soon afterward and would have been institutionalized if not for the fact that she expected to see her son, her slain son again to be re- reunited with him in the afterlife where she was certain his body would be made whole. <sighs> These bolstering beliefs along with the church rituals she engaged in after her son's murder dragged her back from the brink of debilitating sorrow and gave her the strength to continue raising her other two children, my student and his sister. Yeah, we should just tell people comfortable lies and yeah. have them, you know, well, but this, it doesn't matter if they're in touch with reality or not. Yeah, as long yeah. as they're comfortable and, and, you know, feel good about the terrible things that have happened in their life, it doesn't really matter. And this situation is exactly why religion was invented in the first place. Somebody had something like this happen. Maybe, you know, they were taken by a cave lion or a woolly rhino gored him to death or something. And then somebody was so distraught that they were, they they were completely dysfunctional and the other people in the tribe had to say, look, it's going to be fine. Well, how do you know? Yeah. Like just have you, what's that movie with Ricky Gervais? Oh, the invention of lying. Yeah. The invention of lying. Exactly. Just like, you know, and somebody just made it up, you know, and it wasn't all complex and elaborate. They just, well, yeah, you'll see for sure. I mean, where do you think his fucking essence goes or whatever, you know, you know, while we're, while we've been having this little back and forth while you're reading this, it occurred to me that, you know, maybe one of the reasons that faithful Catholics, you know, basically any people of any faith that they're, that they're very much into, you know, if they're regular church, church goers for any kind of faith, maybe the reason they're not as outraged about these, these things, these cases of priests and other clergy members sexually molesting people because they think that ultimately God will sort it out, right? Yeah, of course. Of course he will. They they don't have to worry about a temporal punishment because God eventually will sort this out and and will make it right. Right, right, right. So yeah, it sucks for these individual people that were affected, but really God's the ultimate arbiter here. He'll set things straight. And these kids are going to go to heaven. So who, you know, it does what, who cares? Yeah, any of them that are murdered will will go to heaven for sure, and the ones who yeah have been abused will certainly God will show mercy on them yeah, because they had no choice in it. Yeah, yeah. So it's all it's all fine. And then if that priest does need you know if if the if God puts that priest's life on the scales, and his bad deeds outweigh <laughs> his good deeds, then then he's going to end up paying a price for it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I'll really all be restored. Really, yeah. I, you know, I can't know all of the things necessary to make sure that I, I, I know for a fact that this priest did things, did that sort of thing. And I would never suspect that he would because I'm right. a, I'm a good Christian, just like he's a good Christian. He's even a better Christian because he's a priest. Uh huh. So yeah. I, I really have some lingering doubts that he would have ever done anything like this in the first place. I, I think, I think, I think you're right. Uh, at least for a, a bunch of them. I think it, I think what you're saying is way more complicated than what they're thinking, especially yeah. if they're conservatives, because we already know that, that, uh, uh, all, all uncertainty and, and, and things that aren't exactly clear, that aren't black and white, if, yeah, make, make them angry. Thing, yeah. So they don't even, so they're probably just, God damn it. <laughs> I, I hate I where he has his microphone. fucking, Ryan puts his shit like right down where your hands have to go. Dude, don't you, he's just sitting over here calm, sitting, he doesn't even use his hands when he talks. <laughs> Jesus, man. You see, mine's like way out of the way. I got it all. Oh yeah. yeah. You got it like bent into an S. Yeah. Because I, I gotta, I gotta use my hands or else my mouth doesn't work. Um, I don't think it's that complicated. I think for them, it's like, ah, it's not for me to judge. Yeah, you know? I think that's it. Yeah, you know, I, I, we're not supposed to judge other people, right? That's Jesus's job. I mean, except I think, the gays. I think. Well, I will, <laughs> no, I will. They, they ain't people, though. Yeah. Oh, right. right. I think. I think wrapped up in all of that statement, I think like their brain starts to work on it. Like, oh, that's fucked up, and then they're like, well, shit, he's a good guy. I was going to ah, too complicated. I'm not judging. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, it's my head hurts right now. I'm not. Yeah. I, I don't. I'll think. Uh, maybe I'll think about that later. <laughs> right now, I got a fishing trip in Northern Carolina. <laughs> uh, to the typical atheists, all this looks irrational and therefore unacceptable. Yep, beliefs we are told must be aligned with evidence, not mere yearning. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh huh. Without rational standards like those entrenched in science, we will all slouch toward chaos and end up in pre-enlightenment and darkness. Uh. I mean that could be that could be a little bit of a straw man, but I but I th I think yeah. I mean, I, if you let religion and uh, um, superstition run the world, you get the dark ages. Yeah, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened. We know that's what happened. Well, yeah, when you when God becomes the answer for any other for any unanswered previously unanswered question, then what what makes you want to do anything else? Like you don't have to strive to discover the answers behind anything. You don't want to solve any puzzles or figure shit out. God did it, and that's the way it is. And more than that, the priests don't even have to hide that they're pedophiles. They'll just make it a public thing. And who are we to fuck with God's plan to let right. these priests molest children? Right, just like just like they did with the Inquisition. They just did whatever they wanted to people. Yeah, and and that's because they can because they're right. God's they're God's people. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. So we do not want <laughs> religions running the world. That's correct. Uh, the human brain is a kludge of different operating systems: the ancient reptilian brain, the limbic or mammalian brain, or and the I think more. It's kludge. Okay. Sorry. No, that's fine. Another word I've never seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I totally read all these before I bring them to the show. I do read most of them. Um, and the more recently evolved neocortex. Is that right? That sounds good. Thanks. <laughs> Religion irritates the rational brain because it trades in magic thinking and no proof, but it nourishes the emotional brain because it calms fears, answers to yearnings, and strengthens feelings of loyalty. But it what if it doesn't? What if you just have a magical, loving brain? Yeah. What if other people aren't satisfied? 
What, what, what if you tell me, oh yeah, no, don't worry. The fucking happy ghosts will come around and you'll be all, you'll be all chummy again. And uh, you get your body back, every hair and it'll all be, well, uh, it's fine. that doesn't fucking work for me. Yeah. I know you're lying. Uh, so how does that help? Yeah. And you, and, and you know, there, there are tons and tons of people out there. You, me, uh, I'm sure most of our listeners who's live well, there's more than just happy. Yumi. <laughs> there's one, <laughs> one 13 year old Japanese girl. There's tons and tons of people out there. Yumi. Love you. Yumi <laughs> <laughs> names one person, <laughs> but I mean, we all, we all lead healthy, happy, satisfied lives for the most part. Right. Yeah. We don't, we well, don't I, I mean, have I, our religion in order to do that. I don't know about the happy part, but yeah, I'll take the rest of that. Well, I said for the most part. Oh, right, right. <laughs> uh, according to prominent neuroscientists like some guy and Antonio Damasio and Kent Barrage, uh, as well as neuropsychoanalysis, like, my, yeah, okay, sure, these people, our minds are motivated primarily by ancient emotional systems like fear, rage, lust, love, and grief. Okay. These forces are adaptive and help us survive if they're managed properly. That is if they are made strong enough to accomplish goals of survival, but not so strong as to overpower us and lead our lead to neuroses and maladaptive behavior. Sure. Okay. Sure. That's fine. I mean, but I think shouldn't we be shouldn't we be striving for a society that learns how to uh sort of suppress the rage and the lust and the all those primitive emotions? Isn't that what we're trying to do? And the religion part belongs in there. Yeah, we want to. We want to. <laughs> so, you know, keep our lizard brain shit to a minimum. Right. Uh, uh, my claim is that religion can provide direct access to this emotional life in ways that science does not. Yes, science can give us emotional feelings of wonder at the majesty of nature, but there are many forms of human suffering that are beyond the reach of any scientific alleviation. And, oh, beyond the reach of any scientific re- bullshit, pal. Well, and I fucking hate when they when they say. You know, religion offers this and science does not as, as if, as if one is the answer to the, to the, op, to the as, opposing yeah, thing, as, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like there, you can have science or you can have religion, which right. I mean, kind of is the way it goes, but, but science is not a thing that we place faith in like you do with religion. It's a completely different fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, science, science was never intended to, to replace the services or community or anything right. that a religion offers. That's right. not what right. science is about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, different emotional stresses require different kinds of rescue. Unlike previous uh, secular tr- tributes to religion that praise its ethical and, and civilizing function. I think we need religion because it's a road tested form of emotional management. <laughs> Where we know that you can't independently handle your emotions, so we're going to either threaten you with hell or reward you with a promise of heaven and eternal life in order to make you behave the way we want you to, because we know you're just too much of a stupid monkey. Yeah, and the thing is, I can't really tell from the article if he is like a moderate, like politically, socially moderate person who's got sympathy for the right or if he's one of the leftists that's like you know live and let live uh you know everyone love each other and like let's not 
let's not put anybody down and let's not speak bad about their. Let's not tell I can't the people. Let's yeah. not tell the stupid people that they're stupid. Yeah, and 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 let's not speak badly. Let's have respect for their beliefs and you yeah. know all. I can't tell if he which one of those he is by that, but he's he fits into one of those two. It sounded like the latter. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought too. And uh, sorry, I mean I'm I'm a progressive, but uh, I'm also. I also believe grounded in fucking reality. In tel- yeah, I also <laughs> believe that people should be, you know, um, not uh, floating around in, uh, you know, whatever La La Land utopia he thinks he lives in. Yeah, because religion's fucking dangerous and it's a big fat lie. And yeah. if she hadn't been told that bullshit in the first place, then uh, maybe we would. She wouldn't have had to lean on it. Maybe she would have, as you always say, had better coping coping mechanism. What the fuck is, dude? Am I having a stroke? <laughs> How's my mouth? Uh, my face? Is it all? Right, is, put your arms in the air. Everything's. Only <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, one's drooping. We gotta go somewhere. <laughs> I can't put my arms in the air because this goddamn microphone. Um, yeah. Well, you know, but it's bullshit. If if what was I saying? Oh, your thing. Yeah. That maybe if she developed the proper coping mechanisms without having that religion speed bump in her way. Yeah. Um, then this wouldn't have been such a major event. I mean, it was still, of course, would have, wouldn't, maybe wouldn't have been a debilitating event for her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just it. It's, well, Dr. Daryl Ray, his book, The God Virus, right? That you, you give somebody this disease right. and then you sell them the cure at the same time. Yeah. Right. We're, we're going to make you believe all of these horrible things about yourself, but then we'll also sell you the cure and that we can, we can fix all of that through salvation in Jesus Christ. Right. Basically this guy, this article, he's saying she's so physically sick from coming off heroin that what she needs is another shot, another hit of whatever. Yeah. Of heroin. Yeah. That's that's as long as she's comfortable. Yeah. Regardless of, of the effects and the side effects effects and what other damage that it, that may happen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We just need to make sure she's not crying. Yeah. It's palliative care. That's, that's funny because conservatives, are so against, you know, these, these types of social goods that could come through things like medical marijuana, uh, or even recreational use of marijuana, whatever. But they're so against these things that could actually be a societal plus because of their awful beliefs, largely tied to religion. Yep. That says that no, doing, doing any kind of intoxicants is bad unless it's alcohol, which is okay because it's legal. But weed isn't legal, and if we make it legal, oh wait, then what? Right. You know, it's it. They 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 want to follow the law, but they don't want to make something else well, legal. It's just sort of. They sort of want to follow the law. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I mean, they're just like any other group of people. I mean, they 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 like law and order to a point. Yeah. Right. They don't want. Well, they want. They want authoritarian. Except. They don't want to have to register guns. They don't want to have to um, have uh, restrictions on hunting and fishing and all the regulations. They don't want air pollution regulations or water. They don't want they don't want any of that stuff. So so they kind of like it. But I mean, uh, all the things that they claim that the Democrats do that are bad about the Democrats, they fucking do the same shit about different about different uh policies or our items or whatever you want to say like well i think it's the moral attachment that they have to different things right they don't have a moral attachment to the environment because god will fix that stuff god would sure. never allow the environment to turn nasty and fucking kill all of right. us. right all of them need to go to india yeah 
well, that's the other thing too is that beyond the whole idea of not having any, having any personal attachment to it because God would never allow the the world to become so poisoned by us that it would kill us all right he's he's that's why we have rainbows he's not going to do anything to destroy the planet again and kill everybody on it he made us that promise and that's why we have these beautiful rainbows now <laughs> but so they don't have any attachment to any of that it's it's it becomes a moral issue to them because they can look at somebody and judge that you know though they say that they don't judge people and I'm not going to judge and God does the ultimate judging whatever it's people that they don't like that they can turn to and say well I'm judging you it's it's a moral response to something that somebody else is doing that the religious person themselves doesn't like and and it's because they were brought up in this church that teaches that certain things that people do whether harmful to Nobody else or not is it should become their business because God said that that was bad, right? Or their religious leaders said that that was bad. They don't have any justification, excuse, or reason for it other than a religious leader somewhere said that this was bad, and so therefore it's bad, right? Yep. And it's just frustrating, extremely. So that'll wrap it up for us this evening. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming over tonight, and I hope you had fun at your farewell dinner, Ryan. Yeah. And just so you know, when you come back, your shit's going to be all fucked up over here. <laughs> He's been moving <laughs> sliders and pushing buttons and <laughs> twisting knobs. Yeah, you're, you're going to have to fix some shit, maybe. I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters before we depart or yes. before we leave and finish, end the show. Terminate it. Mm-hmm. Abort it. Exterminate it. We have a couple new patrons this week. We want to start the list with Mr. Alan Firth. And then we want to move on to New Mania. Christy Kalbach. <laughs> Gatheist. Larry Wilson. Steven Andrus. Let them eat coffee. Too skeptical, chap. Michelle Short. Vanessa. New patron. Freethinker215. Thank you. Thank you very much. Utah Outcasts. Janet Uter. Marius Kotbuchakowski. Wes Aaron. Andrew Vodapich. Taylor Grin. Angelica Person. Jeremy Goodson. Brandy Hamrick. Did you say Angelica Goodson? I said per- Person. Per- per- Pearson. Is it Pearson Person? I, I, I know Pearson. I've asked you again. Yeah. Pearson. Pearson. Okay. Yeah. Pier- Pearson. 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 Angelica Pearson. <laughs> Angelica Pearson. <laughs> Jeremy Goodson. Brandy Hamrick. Megan Kennedy. The Falls. Jeff Peterson. And Jesse Pointer. Yay. We know Jesse. He sent us several things. Not just. There's two more. What? Oh, yeah. Savita Kuna. And the Purple Dragon. <laughs> Thank you. I was just riffing. No, I said and Jesse Pointer. I put, I put like a period on the on the end of it there, so it really sounded like we were done. Oh. So that was my fault. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, thank you very much, everybody. Yes. Until next week. Oh, fuck. Crucify South Southern Carolina. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> And leave leave a review to achieve a new fucking microphone thing. This whatever <laughs> pop filter is that? What this is pop filter? Yeah, this pop filter. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. You're doing uh, double duty. Uh, right, right. The show five times a day toward Angelica Ferrothson. <laughs> Let's see. Say something for me. Something for me. Damn it. That wasn't it. Okay, say some more things. Uh, test, test, test. Fuck. Testing testicles. <laughs>